Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, Senior Pastor of LifePoint Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. While you're seated, why don't we just raise our hands to heaven for one minute as we come around the Word of God today. Spirit of the living God, we just honor you, we welcome you, we thank you. Lord, let the presence of God fill this building today. Lord, I pray for the fire of God to touch every person. Let the wind of your spirit blow in this place. Father, let signs, wonders, and miracles accompany the preaching of the word this morning. In the name of Jesus, God, we give you all the praise. We give you all the honor. We give you all the glory. Man, I feel ruka shababata. In the name of Jesus, man. We serve a good God, eh? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand of praise. I want to have a look at the book of Acts. It's a, it's a scripture that I have referred to, but I've never preached a message out of this uh, passage ever. Acts chapter 20, it's, it's, it is a funny passage. Uh, this will bring a smile to your face. I want to have a look at Acts 20 and verse number 7. Now on the first day of the week, it was a Sunday, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. Let's stop there, until, until, until midnight. It was a long it was a long message. Uh, it's believed that that church service started around 7 o'clock. Uh, they, they, let's just say Paul preached for quite some time. Let's keep going. There were many lamps in the upper room where they were gathered together. Verse number 9. And in a window sat a certain young man named Eutychus. Somebody say Eutychus. Poor Eutychus was struggling that day. It was a long sermon. The Bible goes on to say he was sinking into a deep sleep. He was overcome by sleep. And as Paul continued speaking, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. Never good when the preacher preaches you to death. But when Paul fell down, sorry, when Paul went down, somebody say went down. I want to talk about that in a minute. He fell on him. I guess you say, well, that could have hurt him. I think the damage was well and truly done. Embracing him, he said, do not trouble yourselves for his life is in him. Let's keep going. Verse 11. Now when he'd come back up, had broken bread and eaten and talked a long while, even till daybreak, he departed. And verse 12 says, and they brought the young man in alive, and they were not a little comforted. The Bible has a good way. They weren't a little comforted. I'm sure they were fairly comforted. Uh, they were very comforted, and we give God praise. Now, this is a story that is in the Bible, and for me, as a preacher, and, and somebody who spends time in the Word and wants to understand why things are in the Word of God, I cannot give you a definitive good reason as to why this story is here. I've got a couple that I'd like to throw at you today, just for your consideration, if you will. Maybe a reason this story is in the Bible is to warn people against the perils of falling asleep in church. And that has happened here. I'm not going to mention names. Maybe the scriptures in here to encourage other pastors whose parishioners do fall asleep during sermons. Because I can tell you right now that that is not the most encouraging thing when you're bringing the oracles of God and somebody's sitting in the back row. I love it when they fall asleep and then wake up and look around and try and pretend they weren't asleep. (laughs) 
Maybe it's in there because the Holy Spirit through Luke wanted to encourage time limits for preachers. Do not say amen. Maybe another reason is to demonstrate that one should persist in doing what they feel God has called them to do, even if someone drops dead in front of them. Maybe. Maybe the Bible every now and then wants to be funny. I don't know. I don't know why this story's in here. But I can tell you that this is Paul's third missionary journey. He's in the city of Troas, a big port city of the day, and is the only recorded moment on this missionary journey is this church service. We don't know what Paul preached, but what we do know is not only did he preach until midnight, The kid dies, he gets resurrected from the dead, and Paul continues the sermon until daybreak. I love the Apostle Paul, but apparently he was a better writer than he was a preacher. The name Eutychus appears only one time in the Bible here in verse 9, and the name means fortunate. His name means fortunate or a recipient of grace. So I went through this and thought, well, there were some fortunate and unfortunate moments in this story. Let's have a look at them together. Fortunately, Eutychus had the opportunity to hear the Apostle Paul preach. Unfortunately, Paul's sermon went until midnight. Unfortunately, Eutychus fell asleep. Unfortunately, Eutychus was sitting in the third story window. Unfortunately, Eutychus fell out of the said window to his death. Fortunately, Paul was on hand to resurrect him after preaching him to death. (laughs) Fortunately or unfortunately, depending on your perspective, after an above average resurrection and a light feed, Paul continued preaching until daybreak as if nothing happened. Eutychus is the last person resurrected in the Bible. We don't know much about Eutychus, but we know a lot about Paul. We know a lot about Peter. We know that Peter was an incredible preacher. He preached on Pentecost, an incredible sermon that is documented in totality. Stephen was an incredible preacher. The Bible says they couldn't resist his preaching. He he was amazing. He was an incredible preacher under the anointing of God. We've never once been told in Scripture that Paul was a particularly compelling preacher. We know he was the greatest writer of the New Testament. And, And the truth is, if Paul was an unbelievable preacher, maybe he never would have taken the time to write. And uh, maybe it was his lack of talent preaching. That is the reason we hold in our hands the writings of Paul who wrote two-thirds of our New Testament. But what we do know is that night, Paul was definitely not having his best preach. I know the feeling. I've not had too many drop dead during my meetings. Just a couple. The last two weeks been a lot actually so I don't know what's happened Paul Paul we don't know what Paul was preaching on the Bible doesn't say obviously it wasn't an amazing message Jesus sermon on the mount they documented that one they documented Stephen's they documented Peter's they never bothered to say what Paul's message was about no one has told us what he preached on we just know that he preached to God of death and what we also uh, don't know is what the subject was I think if the message was on the resurrection probably the best sermon illustration ever <laughs> Possibly as good as it gets. You'd almost have to say maybe it was a setup. Maybe Paul shoved him out the window while no one 
We don't know. But, but what we do know is it was a 12-hour sermon, and, and it was likely that Eutychus was 13. We also know that the room would have had about two or 300 people. And what we also know, to, know is that the room was uh, lit with many lamps, many lamps. And these lamps, they would bring light, but they also had fragrances in them that would put you to sleep. Now, I, I don't know too much about it, but to me, it was a recipe for disaster. I've preached to many youth ministries in many places all over the world. Getting a 13-year-old kid to sit still for more than 20 minutes is a miracle from God. 12 hours, I think most 13-year-olds would plunge to their death given the same, given the same circumstances. But we're looking at this story and, 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 uh, and the truth is, and I want to say this before I get into the body of my message, there is a reason why we do some things here that engage people because maybe if we can't raise Eutychus from the dead, we can prevent Eutychus dying. And I pray that we don't have the kind of church where the Eutychuses die when they come to church. I pray that when people come, there's an atmosphere that engages them, not rocks them to sleep. There's messages that put life in their spirit, hope in their heart, and, and, and engage people to see God move. You know, I believe the Bible's clear. We should build with things old and new. Yeah, the methods change. Yeah, we do buy some lights. We do do a few things to try and make this things sound right and be right. But the truth is the message doesn't change. We still believe in the power of the Holy Ghost. We still believe in the gifts of the Spirit. We still believe Jesus is coming back. We still believe in the rapture. We still believe in holiness. We still believe in all of those things. However, we don't want to kill Eutychus while we're having church. But you know what's funny as I studied this? I've got, I've got, I've been blessed with a library of a whole lot of commentaries and, and, and theological tools to understand the depth of some of these things. I was reading some, and one guy says, we live in the age where we no longer have access to the same power Paul had, and so all we can do is prevent Eutychus dying rather than resurrecting him if we die. Religion will tell you all you do is get the atmosphere right. I believe we've got to be a church that's both. Let's, let's, let's work on having a good flow, a good atmosphere, a conducive atmosphere to worship, comfortable for the body, pleasing to the eye, good for the, good for the soul. But at the, at the same time, those things don't always reach people. That's why we've got to have the supernatural power of God. That's why we've got to have the moving of the Holy Spirit. That's why we've got to have the touch of heaven in the house of God. Come on, somebody. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. I'll say amen to myself. I find that amazing that somebody would say, since we no longer have access to the supernaturals the apostle had. Well, I do. Because February 1995, I sat in a church service at the Adelaide Entertainment Center and a South African preacher by the name of Rodney Howe Brown called me out of my seat. He said, young man, lift your hands to God. As you did, the fire of God hit me. I hit the ground under the power of God speaking in tongues. I've never been the same since. I got fire baptized. I don't want to have been fire baptized. I want to be continually fire baptized with the power of God. And so you, you, people, I'm, not, I'm not at the mercy of people with an argument because I've been empowered and I've sensed the presence presence of Jesus Christ alive in my life. And we have the same power the apostles had. We got the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in our life. I got I to I get into this, but what I, I made Donna do a test for me last night. I said to Donna, go to the top of our stairs, please, dear. I'm going to time you walking down the stairs. Because Paul had to walk down three flights of stairs to get to this dead body. So I wanted to work out how much time Paul had to think this thing through. What was he going to do? 
So the kid falls out the window. He's gone ski, you know, so it's all happening. So, so I t- timed on. It took Donna about, about seven seconds, but she's a bit more sure-footed than I am. I take a little while to get down. I often fall down. I fell down holding James the other week, and uh, James came out all right. I, I was injured, and, uh, but I spared him, and I took the brunt myself. Actually, I tried to let him absorb the fall, but it didn't work. No, that's not true. That's not true. Australia says no. So, but what I do want to tell you is Donna came down the stairs... We reckon in about seven or eight seconds. Now, I'm telling you all that to say this. In the Middle East, 2,000 years ago, in the town of Troas, there's not a lot of light in the stairwell of the three-story skyscraper of the day. So Paul has to go down three flights of stairs, probably in pitch black, or very little light. So he's probably... I, I estimate that Paul had 30 seconds to get from the top room to get down to where that dead child lay. And so for me, I guess, and and I can't tell you that I'm pulling this out of the passage, but knowing the life of Paul and understanding how Paul operated, I guess the premise of my message this morning is what would have gone through his mind in those 30 seconds between the incident and the miracle? What would have gone through Paul's head when he was walking down those stairs? I know what would have gone through my head. I probably would have walked down the stairs, kept walking, and you never would have seen me again. I would have just departed from Troas and headed to Ephesus. But not Paul. Paul was one of a kind. And so this is a message. So I have to say this because you might sit here and go, well, how do you know it went through Paul's mind? I don't know, but I look at the fruit. And so I want to work backwards and give you, I guess, thoughts. What I think would have gone through Paul's mind during that 30-second walk down those three flights of stairs to that young man who had a need. Let's have a look at these. Here's a a few things that would have gone through his mind. The first, Paul had to believe the report of the Lord. And I'll tell you why. Because you hear the report of Luke and the report of Paul. Luke's a writer here. Luke was very specific. He fell out of a three-story window and he was dead. Luke's a doctor. Luke always diagnosed things. He was very clear. He always made it very clear what, what, what had happened. You always got a greater perspective of the condition of somebody's physical body from Luke than any other uh, writers of the gospel. So Luke has made it clear. He has pronounced him dead and was an authority to do so. And so at that moment, Paul could have listened to that report, whether it actually came from Luke at that time, we will not know. But what we do know is that everybody else said it. Luke confirmed it. But the report had come, confirmed by the medical professionals of the day, that this young man was dead. So he has a choice. Does he just accept that? Does he just believe that? Or does he make a choice to say, do you know something? I'm going to believe a different report. And so he, he, he declares, Paul says, there's still life in him. Sure, he said that after the resurrection of that young man, but he still went down knowing full well what was going to happen and what God was going to do. He went there with a mission and a purpose. And, and I guess what I want to tell you today is when, when things die in our lives, when circumstances are dead, when, when things are broken, when dreams die, when hope dies, when, 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 when prayers seem to go unanswered and, and circumstances are against us, do we believe the report that's coming out of natural circumstances or or, or do we believe the report of the Lord? Because there, there, there is two things that happen in life. There is truth and there is fact. 
truth trumps facts. The facts may be he was dead, but the truth is the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. The fact may be that your dream may be dead, but the truth is God is in the business of restoring those things and putting hope in your spirit and seeing God do something for the glory of God. There's people sitting here today. You have a call from God. You know God's called you, but you, but you, you put it on the shelf and you've let that seed die. My prayer today is that by the grace of God, come on somebody, but... By the anointing of the Spirit of God. I know I'm yelling, but I'm excited today. Why? Because, because if you can get in your spirit that you're not out for the count. Maybe you're flatlined. I'm here to just go, boom. Come on, let's Holy Ghost defibrillators to stir some faith in your spirit in the name of Jesus. You say, what was that? I don't know, but sometimes it just sounds right to say those things. Then praying in tongues is the most underused weapon that we have, you know. I pray in tongues all the time. Rub, I rub a gum boot all day long. Isaiah 53. The word came, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? What report are we going to believe? The facts may be your kids are away from God. But the truth is he wills that none should perish. The facts may be the doctors have said one thing, but the truth is, is a miracle working God. The facts may be you, you, you're broke, you, you, you don't know how you're going to get th- through, but the truth is that he's El Shaddai, the God who's more than enough. He's not El Cheapo, the God who's nearly enough. He's Jehovah Jireh, your provider. His grace is sufficient for you, for me. God is supernatural. And I, I want to encourage you today. Can I grab that mic off you, Ash? Thanks so much. When, when we, uh, you tell the story. When we, yeah, it's good. Hey. So when we had James, when I was first pregnant with James, we did the, you know, at-home test. Very dignified, that one. And confirmed that we were pregnant. And so I went to the doctor, and I was about five weeks, I think, at that point. And I didn't really know how you go about doing this, so I just went to the doctor and said, you know, I think I'm pregnant. Can you confirm that? And so she said, yeah, yeah, we'll get you a a blood test and all those things. So um, booked that in for me. And then I basically just said, you know, what do I do from here? Can I... I had actually, I think, rung the obstetrician already. So I knew that I needed a referral to see my obstetrician at 10 weeks. And so I said to her, um, you know, is it okay if I get a referral to the obstetrician? She said, oh, well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. She says, one in five pregnancies do end in miscarriage. So we'll let it go a bit longer first before you, you know, get the referral to see the doctor in five weeks' time, basically. And I was with my mum and she was a bit gobsmacked, I think. Like, what's this doctor doing? Anyway, so I kind of dismissed it at the time, but... Do you know that statistic weighed on my mind all day? I just couldn't shake it. And I remember, I'm not sure where you were, but I was home that night and and, um, you weren't there. And um, and you were doing the housework. Definitely, that's not part of the story. Whose report will you believe, friends? Truth or fact? What do you reckon? Truth. Truth. I did it by faith. He does a lot of housework by faith. The facts are I didn't do it. The truth is I could have done it. Anyway, this is not the point. Yeah, so, not the point. I literally, I remember laying on the couch and, and that stat just waited in my head, like, 
like there's a one in five chance that this baby won't survive. That I, I, you know, and obviously I had friends that had gone through pregnancy losses, and and so it just it stuck in my head terribly. And I remember just laying on the couch, and I thought, do you know what? I'm just gonna speak life. I literally laid hands on my tummy, and I said, I speak life over this life within me. I speak life. I don't. I'm not gonna accept that. I'm not gonna let that weigh in my mind. I refute that, and I just believe that God has given me life, and I speak life over this, and la la la, and off I went. And and you know, like I, I feel like actually, I think I don't know if for those that have been pregnant. I feel like your pregnancy is a bit of a of a, a fight yeah. of faith, isn't it? You just got to keep trusting. There's all these things you could get told and told and told and told, and and all these things that could possibly go wrong. Uh, but you've just got to keep pressing into God and Beautiful. keep trusting Him that Amen. that His report is He desires to bless us. And so Good. the product of that, of course, was James. <laughs> he made it. Fantastic. Awesome. Uh, this. Uh, this. Paul didn't, Paul didn't seem to be too moved. Now, now you've you, you got to put yourself in the story. One of the things you try to do when you prepare a message is put yourself in the story. Don't think he fell out the window and Paul just went out. That would have created a total commotion. But Paul didn't seem too moved by the frantic nature of that moment. He just tapped into the spirit realm. And he walked down and he believed the report of the Lord. The second thing that I, I believe would have gone through Paul's mind and spirit is that this person has a need. And as Christians, I believe when we face challenges, or specifically see challenges in other people, let's recognize that there's need and we have to step up and step into that need by faith and bring God into what is an impossible situation. We shouldn't just sit, let people's dreams die around them or hopes or circumstances and sit back and go, well, yeah, well, good for them. Let's get in that fight with them. Let's believe God with them. Let's touch God with them. And because there's need all around us. You don't have to look too far for need and we can bring faith into where there's need. More my job today is to do that very thing. Maybe you're, you've got challenges and you're facing disappointments or you're facing problems or whatever the case may be. I'm just here today to remind you we have a God who's still in the resurrecting business. He's supernatural and he wants to lift you up out of what is impossible in the name of Jesus. Do you believe that this morning? Number, number three, Paul could have, and again, I don't know this. I wasn't in Paul's head at the time, but I wonder if Paul realized that at midnight this guy died and, and he realized that God does miracles at midnight. If you look in Acts 16, that it was in jail with his friend Silas and the Bible says it was at midnight that they were praising God. There's a miracle at midnight for you. It may seem like a midnight hour, but God can break open prison doors. He can raise the dead. He can change things by the power and the anointing of God. I guess I've come to remind you that you may be in a midnight hour. But I know a God who does miracles in midnight hours. I'm going to wait to the midnight hour, God says, and I'm going to do a miracle in the name of Jesus. I, I, I am simple enough to still believe this book has power. I remember Pastor George, I'll never forget it. He says, read the red and pray for the power. Can I tell you, there's enough red to tell me that Jesus does miracles, that he changes lives, that he turns situations around by the grace and the power of God. And you, so I, I I believe number three, Paul remembered past miracles. You may be facing a challenge. Maybe, maybe just look back on a past miracle. Say, man, if God did it then, he can do it now. You say, you're just preaching, you know, hype building. Oh, no, I'm trying to stir your faith. Let's not get so book smart theologically that we forget that God's alive now, that we have a living, breathing spirit. I've got so many pastor friends and all they do is read books by non-charismatics all the time. And then you wonder why there's no power on what they're doing. Hey, let's get back to the Bible. I'm not saying don't read that stuff. But get some, 
boom in your spirit in the name of Jesus. Oh, well, bless God. It's good to, good to be here today. God has the power to breathe life into any dead situation. When things die in your world, let's not just make funeral arrangements straight away. Let's call on God. Number four. I wonder if Paul remembered that there's life. There was life after a fall. Book of Proverbs, Solomon wrote, says in 24, 16, the righteous man falls seven times and he gets back up. You might have fallen. Maybe not physically out the window, but spiritually you might have crashed. Spiritually you might have been doing great and then boom, something happened. This guy fell literally out of church. There's people that fall out of church. It's our job to bring God and bring them back to life and bring hope into what's impossible. You've got friends, you've got kids that are away from God. Can I encourage you? Get under an anointing to evangelize again and tell your friends, hey, God's moving. God's doing something by the power of the Holy Spirit and He wants to touch your heart and touch your Maybe you're here today and you think you've fallen so far that God can never use you again. Tell you one thing I love about our church. You're, 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 if, if you've messed up and got it wrong and had failures, and you're in good company. Because this is not a church of just people who have got it all together. I've never messed up. It's a house of grace. It's a house of people that have messed up and not got it right. And I mean, we've, our eyes are on Jesus, but we're imperfect. And God's using people. And my prayer is that maybe you might feel like you've fallen and you can't get up. Can I encourage you? Get back up on your feet. Stand up again. Believe that there's destiny in your spirit and that God wants to use you and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. In the name of Jesus, man, I tell you, you get knocked down, but you get up again. He's never going to keep you down. I get knocked down, but I get up again. Never going to keep me down. I get knocked down. See, I love a bit of carnality in the house of God. It's just good. Bring something. Uh, I don't know if it's good, but you definitely sense it. It's life after a fall. The name Eutychus means fortunate or a recipient of God's grace. There is nobody here any different from Eutychus. If you've messed up, you are a recipient for the grace of God. I'm a recipient for the grace of God, of the grace of God. I didn't deserve the grace of God. I'm just blessed. Sometimes I feel like the luckiest human in the world because I know who I really am and I know what God's done. And I know that when I stand here, I don't stand here because of, and when I say stand here, I'm not talking about in the context of on the platform, just stand in life. I don't stand before God uh, and, and stand confident in my own grace, my own works. I just stand here grateful for the fact that I was lost, but he found me. I, I was broken. He's put me together. And God is a good God. You might have fallen. Here's the word of the Lord today. Just get back up. Get back up and have a go and serve God. Oh, but you don't know my story. Can I tell you the worse your story, the bigger the testimony? Oh, bless God for people that got a story. Can I tell you, I don't want to hang around people that haven't been through stuff. I mean, I want to hang around them, but I, I, I can't, I'm not going to ask them 
Some guy that's never had anything go wrong, life's been perfect. Give me some people that have been belted around just a little bit. Give me, give me some people that have been snacked around and know what it is to feel some pain. Because you get around them and they can speak into your life. They can put hope in your spirit because you think, well, if they can get through it, I can get through it. Glory to God. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Look at your neighbor and say, you've got to get back up. Make full eye contact. Intimidate them a little bit. Especially if they're visitors and haven't been here before. Just creep them out a bit. It's just, it's just how we flow. Number five. I wonder if Paul remembered the truth of resurrection power. Because he certainly preached it. In Romans 8.11. But if the same spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. To him it was more than theory. Jesus, he said in Matthew 10, as you go, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely receive, freely give. There's 10 resurrections in the Bible. Elijah resurrected the son of Zarephath's widow. One minute he's bringing provision into their poverty and he, and he ends up dying. He raised him from the dead. Similar circumstance, he brings provision to the Shunammite woman's house or in this case a miracle. She couldn't have kids. She has a kid. Then that kid dies. I mean, talk about circumstances not going your way. You believe in God for something, you get it and it's gone again. God raised him from the dead. And Elisha was dead. He was dead. And they dropped a guy in his tomb. And the minute... This man touched the bones of Elisha. There was still enough power in the bones of Elisha to raise him from the dead. I mean, that scripture right there, you can preach that thing. That, that's, I mean, you can have church right there. There's still enough of the power of God in the bones of Elisha. I don't know what's in my bones, but Ezekiel said it feels like fire shut up in my bones. Oh, I want some fire in my bones. If I can't get in my bones, I'll get it in my muscles because I've got so many of them. It's so big and burly, it's frightening. Jesus resurrects the widow's son at nine. He raises Jairus' daughter from the dead, raises Lazarus out of the grave. At his crucifixion, the Bible says, graves are open and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. Christ was resurrected from the dead. Peter raises a female disciple by the name of Tabitha. Paul raised Eutychus from the dead. And here's another scripture that many of us might not have a look at. And I don't want to imply that Paul had died, but it says in Acts 14 that certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium who persuaded people and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, and they supposed he had been dead. The Bible says the disciples stood around him. He rose up, and he came to the city, and on the next day departed with Barnabas. Here's a powerful thing. Whether he was dead, he got close. They thought he was. But the disciples stood around him and prayed. Because there was still mission, there was still purpose, there was still destiny, there was still calling. And I've come this morning to tell you that maybe your dreams are dead. Your hopes are dead. Maybe you're in a marriage and you think the thing's dead. I believe God can breathe life into it. You might be sitting here and say, how do I know if I've married the right woman? Or how do I know if I've married the right guy? Just look at your marriage certificate. If their name's on it, you've married the right guy. And stick with it. Make it work. Believe that God can pull it together in the name of Jesus and bring a hope and bring life. I'm a bit nervous. I checked our wedding certificate and Donna's crossed out my name. Put in there Zac Efron. I'm not happy at all about that. So I change it to Barry Humphreys. I'm done. That's the end of my sermon. Um, maybe if the praise team can come. 
I, I didn't really write a conclusion. That's it. I did my best. That's all I've got. Let's give the Lord a hand of praise for his goodness. Somebody give God a praise for just a little bit in there. Hallelujah. Some of your dreams, you feel like they've been forgotten. You feel like they're put there by God, but you disqualified yourself. God called you, God called you. You might be here today, and you might need God to, to, to breathe on some stuff. Maybe you're just feeling hopeless. Maybe you're feeling, not that you're hopeless, you just feel a lack of hope. And you need God to do something in your life. I want us to all stand. I'm, we'll dismiss the meeting in just one moment. But I'd love everyone to stand this morning. We're going we're gonna to close. Can we, can we raise our hands to heaven in this place? In Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Maybe you, you feel like you just feel crushed. You feel like you're done. You feel like you're on the shelf. Can I tell you something? While there's still life in you, while there's still hope in you, while there's still a sense in you of, uh, of life, and there's breath in your lungs, let's believe God that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can raise up your dreams, your hopes, your stuff. Maybe maybe your finances are flatlined. Maybe your marriage is flatlined. Maybe your dreams are flatlined. Maybe, can I tell you, I feel like God just wants to, He wants to charge you up today and do something in your spirit. I'm not, I'm not here to hype you up. I'm here to tell you that God hasn't finished with you. I'm here to tell you that, 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 that He's, he's going to do something in your life that He hasn't finished. He's not, he's not done. And, and I want every person, just as we're in this place, why don't we raise our hands to God and let's sing this old song together. Let the anointing of God come. Touch your life in Jesus' name. Oh, we sing faithful God. Yeah. Oh, faithful God. Faithful God. 